Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. Hi, folks. I'm Tim Harvey. I'm Dustin. And this is Zompocalypse Now, your When We Seem to Get Around to Recording It podcast. Your, um, your one-stop shop for all your, your apathetic podcast needs. <laughs> your, your, your single destination for people who just really don't care when they're going to get their shit together and do the thing. We try. We really, really do. And this week, at least we have, at least we have, at least we have the minor excuse of the holiday. Yes, it was the 4th of July this week. And, uh, and I, you know, when you live with your family and have all of the family, like you have to do, you know, do family things. And it just every single day was a family thing. And then I had oral surgery this week as well. Um, I had three wisdom teeth taken out on Tuesday. So we are going to go with those as our reasons, and um, <clears throat> you're just going to have to deal with it. So, no, we uh, there were times even when when you were living here where we had scheduling issues, and that was when we literally lived down the street from each other. Yeah, I know. Well, it happens, and especially, you know, especially all the time, anytime everything is ever happening. So, no. <laughs> So we get to talk about uh, the fear of the walking dead again today. Yes. And we would just like, we'll just take a moment here to, to mourn the passing of the comic book, the walking oh, dead right, yeah. this week. Shockingly. Shockingly. Yes. Right. Uh, Robert Kirkman had always said that he had a story planned out to issue 300 solicitation for future issues had gone out to the publishers mm-hmm. and uh, this would have been even a bigger surprise if his farewell letter had not leaked. Yeah. So, but uh, the TV show, of course, is still going on. Robert Kirkman is continuing to work in comics, and there will be more of his stuff coming out. And some of his stuff, you know, uh, uh, Outcast was a TV show. You know, is, other... is, yeah. Is he still writing Invincible? I'm not sure. Uh, I, yeah. But yeah, he's got he's got uh, a new project that I guess uh, has already been optioned. It hasn't even been published yet. Uh, so yeah, we'll still see more from Robert Kirkman. And Fear the Walking Dead will continue in The Walking Dead. And of course, we've got the Rick yeah. Grimes movies coming out. Yeah, I think the first of those comes out this fall. I'm not sure. Well, they keep laying some groundwork for that. Oh yeah, and there's uh, a there's a third there's a third spinoff or another spinoff coming out too. Mm-hmm. Not one of our spinoffs that we've we've uh, we've pitched on the show several times. Oh, sadly, we will not see see any of that sweet suit Walking Dead money. Damn. <laughs> or be involved in any of the sweet sweet lo- Walking Dead lawsuits about money. <laughs> so I think we're probably okay. Yeah. So anyway, the name of this episode is the end of everything. Right. And it's basically what happened to Al all all this time while this other stuff was happening to everybody else. Right. It's what Al's been up to for the last three days. Right. And that's really interesting how much we suddenly get a sense of how long all these other things have taken place. Right. 
because The Walking Dead continues and the Fear of the Walking Dead continues to have an issue with time and space. Right. How long things take and how far apart things are. And odd, I mean, it's, it's very rare when we actually get a, here's a 72-hour window. Right. And, and so now, you know, that kind of, and, and considering that at the end of the episode, she ends up back with Alicia and Morgan, it's like our first indication of what's like, all of these things, like all of this stuff has only happened really in like two or three days. Right. It's kind of insane. <laughs> well, I mean, well, think about it. It that kind of stuff happens in real life all the time. You, I know, we've we have had weekends where we have looked at each other and been like, "Okay, um, we had pizza on Friday night. We had one night stand on Saturday. Uh, we went antique shopping for the first part of Sunday. We, you know." <laughs> Like, we have had a full seven days in the last two days. But generally a little short on the, you know, undead zombie creatures trying to kill us. Children who are up to no good and yet really, really bad at it. And all the, you know, yeah, but it's still just a lot. And by the way, folks, uh, it's a reminder, the One Night Stand is the 10-hour uh, Independent Filmmakers Coalition of Kansas City film competition, the first time film competition in the nation. And we started it first here in Kansas City. And the team I was on, which was in many ways uh, uh, sort of a tribute team to our, our late friend David Barry. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, Dustin couldn't come up and play with us this year, but we, yes. won, we won first place. And yes, it would have. Uh, if I had been there, I would probably have been on that team. But yeah. As a as a uh, as an homage to our dear friend Dave Barry, I put on Facebook that if I had been there, I my film would have won, or my film should have won, even though I wasn't there. Yes. And I didn't submit a film and don't live in the area anymore, um, <laughs> because uh, as lovely as Dave was and could be he was also just terrible <laughs> and, and beloved for his terribleness oh yeah he, uh, we, we miss him very much but mm-hmm. uh yeah so it was a great time and it was just this god it was two two weekends ago now yeah, yeah. Like just it, time goes by very quickly so yes i will acknowledge 72 hours can go by really fast and there can be a lot of things in it well, yeah, and I, I'll tell you, like, I'm, you know, when you look at Facebook memories, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, I'm coming up, like, the couple of weeks ago was the picture of me at the pizza place with my parents where we had the discussion a year ago about me moving here, mm-hmm. moving to Texas. And, like, this weekend, this is the weekend that I announced that I was moving. So, like... It's already been a year that I've lived here. That's crazy to me. In September, it will have been a full year. But, you know, it's just like, wow, I can't believe even that long a period of time has passed so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway. Anyway. So Al has been bashed upon the noggin. Mm-hmm. And uh, is, is being held captive by a masked figure. Dun, dun, dun. And Al being, you know, the queen of getting out of scrapes that she is, is able to kind of get herself free and get the best of her attacker and uh, 
and knocks their helmet off, and it is a beautiful woman with a very severe bob. <laughs> and when I saw those short bangs and that severe bob, I was like, this is a lesbian. <laughs> and that's exactly, if you'll remember what I said, when Al showed up in her black undercut, I was like, that bitch is a lesbian. <laughs> and uh, and to, to skip a little bit of head, we get confirmation that, yes, both of these women are lesbians, but they make out with their faces and mouths. Spoilers! Spoil- we're going to talk about the whole episode, Timothy. <laughs> Not to mention, it was almost a week ago this yeah. episode aired. So. Right. <laughs> So anyway, uh, so Al and this woman exchange words, and the woman's like, where's the tape? And Al's like, I'm not going to tell you where the tape is. Oh, she escapes. First, Al escapes and runs through the woods in the muck, in the rain. And she loses her boot. And, uh, and then she, the woman catches her, and they fight, and they scuffle. And that's when it's like, where's the tape? The tape that shows my, my friend is a walker. And, you know, because that's, remember, the, the woman, the person in black that Al fought earlier when the plane crashed <laughs> is the reason that she went back in the first place to like figure out what was going on. Right. And uh, so, so Al's like, I don't have the tape. I've hidden it. And, and the woman is like, tell me where the tape is so I can kill you. And I was like, that is actually not a very big incentive for me to help you. You are going to murder me, so no. And uh, and so the lady takes Al to her helicopter, and Al's like, "You've got a helicopter," <laughs> and uh, and she's like, "Shh, damn it!" And uh, and she tries to get in touch with her people, who are just dicks about the fact that her that her partner has been killed. And and so they're like, we're going to send an extraction team. And that's when the lady's like, oh, shit, I need to take care of some stuff. Because I'm guessing, like, my feeling is that if an extraction team shows up, they're just coming to get the helicopter. That was kind of the impression that, that this is, if they show up, there's going to be a lot of dead bodies around. And if you happen to be the only person around, that's going to be you, whether you're on their site or not. Right. It was confirmed after the episode that these helicopter people are the same helicopter people that took Rick. Right. And uh, which was which I saw no indication that that's that they were the same helicopter people that they all had helicopters. Um, when uh, the episode was actually airing, but uh, it was confirmed on Twitter afterwards, and I actually live tweeted this uh, whole episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you are interested in my thoughts as the time happens, you could go to at the night dusto and see my thoughts. And, and if you remember, they were not particularly happy with Jadis, uh, when she called for rescue and she made it seem very much like there was a good possibility that she was going to get killed right by them. And then basically taking Rick with her, saved them, saved her. So anyway, um, this lady, like, begrudgingly is like, look, look, if you help me get some fuel and, you know, do get kind of get my helicopter running and stuff, I might let you live. <laughs> and I was like, gee, thanks. And, and the lady's like, look. Might is as good as I could do. And so Al has 
the as just like okay, I guess I will just we'll just have to go with might. And so they go on a they go on a date. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Um, date is the word I would use, although it goes about as well as some dates. They go camping and hi- they go hiking. They camp and then they rock climb. It's a date, Tim. They have beers at the at the summit of a beautiful <laughs> overlooking overlooking the starry hill Texas hill country sky, and then they sleep cuddled next to each other. It's a date. They went on a date. They went on a on a on a hiking date. Fell in love with each other. <laughs> So yes, they uh, they drive off to uh, where there's well, basically she says that the the fuel depot they have to go get to to refuel the helicopter is up in the mountains, right? And uh, well, up in the the very very rocky, craggy Texas hill country, which nothing here is technically mountains. But there are some definite like, oh boy, that's a steep incline to a to a small plateau kind of situation. Um, so they drive there and they they get to the bottom of this cliff and they're like, we're going to camp here tonight. And they they camp in this really nifty air tent mm-hmm. that I really liked. And uh, you know, then they climb the hill. Well, they also find that there are other cars there after their car gets crushed. Uh, oh, yeah. So she goes, they, they, sees, they see walkers in the road and mysterious stranger. Uh, who, who uh, Al says, if you're not going to tell me your name, I'm just going to call you happy. Right. So the, she's like, stay in the car. And she gets out to kill the walkers and Al promptly gets out of the car. And right, she, I because- told you to stay in the car. And Al's like, A. I don't take orders from you, and <laughs> B, I don't stay in the car. Right. And then there's a rock slide, and the car is crushed and tipped over. And I was like, I don't See? stay in the car. <laughs> See, look, this is why I don't stay in the car. Oh, we skipped the part where Al was tied up in the back of that SUV. All right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I had this was probably one of the only moments that I really had a problem with this episode. Because the Happy has put her in this SUV, SUV to kind of hold her prisoner. And she has uh, tied her hands, and, uh, but left her feet uh, free. Mm-hmm. And so Al, and there's like a perimeter of barbed wire around the thing. Right. And so, um, so Al calls to a walker and gets him to walk through the perimeter, which pops out the really loose barbed wire. And then uh, gets, when he gets over to her, she gets the barbed wire and cuts her restraints with it. That's the rope. Right. And that is not how that kind of barbed wire would work. <laughs> <laughs> right. When you grow up in the country, and especially where they're shooting now and the show is set, the Texas Hill Country, there is a shit ton of barbed wire around here. And there is no way that you could use that kind of barbed wire, the like just spike barbed wire to do that. My feeling is is that they want they meant laser wire. Mm. And they couldn't find any or, or they were like, that's too, you know, that's too dangerous or whatever. And so they just used regular barbed wire instead because it would have made a lot more sense if it had been razor wire. Right. So anyway, so they climb, they start climbing the hill 
<laughs> the vinyl walker <laughs> attached to the uh, to a a thing on the like who is like all right i know that it's like super apocalypse and there are dead people all around and and stuff but I, we've been planning this rock climbing trip for weeks <laughs> i know the minute we get to the <clears throat> bottom of the cliff i'm like all right so on our way up one of them will lose their balance and fall off the cliff and the other one will save them, and it will be a bonding moment. Oh, yeah. And if, it, if, if the only thing this show could do to make me happy is to not have this happen. <laughs> I just completely want them to just climb up the hill, and we spend a little time with them climbing the hill, and it's tension and things. But nobody falls off, and nobody does. And, oh, nope, there they did it. And, oh, look, it's a walker. And why is this walker here? And, sure, okay. And... And so at this point, if this were any other character, once Happy falls off the cliff, if this had been, say, Madison. Oh, yes. She would have been like, bye, click. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, thud. Right. (laughs) And then it would be like, hey, guys, guess what I got? A helicopter. (laughs) A helicopter and a bunch of fuel. Let's go. I have no doubts. Like, there's this moment where Maggie is, like, in the helicopter, like, poking at dials and flipping knobs and stuff like that. And I'm like, I have no doubt that Maggie could – or that that, uh, Al would figure out Maggie Grace. I have no doubt that that Al could figure out how to fly this helicopter. Oh yeah, and even a point later in the episode, like Happy is like, "You were in the thing. Like, did you think you could fly it?" And she's like, "I would have figured it out." <laughs> oh, it's oh. but Don't no, uh, Happy falls off the cliff, and Al decides to rescue her and kills the walker, and yeah. And then they get to the top, and there's another walker there. And here's the funny thing, especially about, like, cliff hiking and, like, and about this whole situation of they put the the fuel up at the top of the thing. Like, they had to have a road to get there. Like, why did they climb the cliff? There's got to be a road to get up there to put the fuel there. Right? Right. You would think. You would think so. So, you know, <laughs> how are they going to get back down? They're going to, how are they going to, you know, belay themselves back down with all those fuel things attached to them? They're not. There's a road somewhere, Timothy. <laughs> well, and then this, this also made me ask, and actually I ended up doing a little research because of this, because I'm looking at it going, okay, so these are two containers and they're fairly large uh, for the fuel, but there's only two of them. And I sat there and went, okay, how much, how much fuel is that? And how far can a helicopter go on that much fuel? Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't able to be completely positive because they don't quite give dimensions the same way. And they look like, you know, but, but I found fuel tanks, fuel uh, containers that look like the ones that they, they found on up there. And it is, they're about either uh, 10 liters, uh, 10 or 20 liters and depending on how thick the containers are in terms of how thick the actual plastic or metal is, usually it's plastic, um, you know, 10 or 20 liters. That's not a lot. Uh-uh. 
but at the same time, how, you know, so I actually did, I looked it up and did some math. <laughs> and oddly enough, those two containers could have got uh, that helicopter around uh, 400 miles. Wow. So uh, air, helicopters are, are not the most fuel efficient things, but they're not much less fuel efficient than like a truck. So, so it didn't help me with this, like, well, wait a minute, how far away is this organization? That's not a lot of fuel. Oh, that's actually quite far away. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that could be all the way back up in, you know, and I'm sure that it was only like, those are, that's emergency fuel left there. That's like, so you can get back to your depot, not even get back to the main Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. It was a little interesting experiment and my, you know, poking around and, um, but no, you know, and well, and half expecting that with the walking dead's problem with fuel yeah. in general, because, oh, by the way, uh, aircraft fuel, just like gasoline for cars also expires in about a year. So, but considering the resources this organization has, they could be manufacturing new fuel. True. Based on the uh, interesting armor that they have developed, which is walker-proof. Right, and the gun. That gun was cool. Yeah. So um, so they get up there, and they survive, and they have this connection moment right. where, where uh, Happy explains that she killed her friend, and says, this was my friend. This, this guy was my friend. Yeah. But he saw what happened to the melted walkers and the you know, ones who were uh, irradiated, and he cracked. Yeah, he freaked out. And he, wanted to, he wanted to abandon. He wanted to run. He wanted to right. run. And the organization she works for, the organization she is part of, um, she keeps talking about how it's not about the past, it's, it's, it's not about now, it's about the future, and they will do anything to protect the future. Mm-hmm. This future they are creating, and none of, them, none of them matter as individuals. It's all, you know, building for the greater good, which is incredibly ominous. Oh, yeah. That's super Third Reiki. Like, like, I was watching, I was like, oh, no, she's a Nazi. Yeah, it was just like, you know, even if... Even if you have the best of intentions, this sort of mindset is incredibly dangerous. You know, the, the, we all, you know, none of us matter. It's only the greater good. It's a nice idea on some levels, but it's also terrifying once you actually put humans involved. Yeah. Because the people who tend, tend to rise to the top of those kind of organizations tend to think of them, start to feel themselves as being important in a way that... To, yes, I'm, my survival, my, my life is more important to the future than your life. Yeah, so I'm a little concerned about who these guys are. We were already concerned about who these guys are. I'm more concerned about who these yes. guys are. Right, especially, like we said, it was very, the, the implication, the reason that Happy decided to use Al's help in the first place was the implication that if she doesn't get her shit together and get all this taken care of before an extraction team shows up, she's not going home. Right. Like, she's going to be dead, too. So that's, you know, cheerful thought, 
that we're going right. to be dealing with these folks at some point seriously in the future. And not only that, but this is the point where Al realizes after this conversation that even though Happy is using her help, she is not going to survive this encounter. The plan is for Happy to kill her at the end. Right. And she confronts Happy with this, and Happy's like, well, yeah. Yeah, I have, this is not something I have a choice about. I'm, feeling, I'm starting to feel a little bad about it, but mm-hmm. sorry. So here's, where, here's one of my issues with the episode, and I know what happens in real life, okay? I met my ex-wife, and within three days literally the same window we're talking about this episode. We have had the kind of connection by the end of that five days we had spent in Muncie, Indiana at the international thespian conference in 1986. I think we were connected in a way that she moved from where she was living to Kansas. To me, we were together for years. We got married. Yeah. It didn't work out, but I mean, I understand this stuff happens, right? But it's Oh, felt- my parents, my my dad asked my mom on a date and she moved into his house that night. She they went back to his house and he she never left. Right. So I know this stuff happens, but but on TV it's become this thing where it's like it's like watching an old episode of Star Trek. Right. You know, you get to the end of the episode and Kirk will have fallen in love with the girl that he met like five seconds ago. And when he leaves, and of course she's pregnant, so you've got another child out there in the universe. Um, you know, it's like, and then they're gone forever, right? It's a, it's a, it's a TV trope. It literally is a thing. And so on one level, I know this happens in real life, but at the same time, I'm like, she shot her best, you know, not a bet necessarily her best friend. She shot her friend, to save the mission, to save this future. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Al kind of, you know, snarks at her and tells her no, and it's kind of like... Well, and then I said to you on text, like, we both know lesbians. Mm-hmm. And it's like an unwritten rule that if a severe undercut meets a severe bob, <laughs> they must instantly fall in love and get married. Like... Yeah. And my response to you was, but generally speaking, the threats to kill the other person come later in the relationship. Right, true. They don't usually start off with the, I'm going to kill you. You save that until, you know, the first really nasty fight. Anyway, they get back to the helicopter and they kind of get things started back to get, like, get everything back together. And, and finally, Happy's like, all right, where's the tape? Tell me where the tape is so that we can move on with my, so I can move on with my life. And, and Al's like, okay, fine. I'll take you to the tape. And she takes her to the tape and she had stowed it in the pocket of a living Walker. And just, that's just so badass, Tim. That's just so (laughs) freaking badass. I was like, oh yes, Al, that makes me extremely happy that you did that. And uh, and so they're standing on the bank of the river, and Al will step like Al gets. Oh, this whole time, like the first thing that that uh, that Al does is show her the tape of, of like what her started Al on this journey for the truth. Well, and, which, and, and Happy finds that tape because she digs through Al's bag and finds that there's a tape hidden in the lining 
Oh yeah. Of the bag. And so she cuts it out and I was like, that's mine. And Gabby's like, you know, is this the tape? And I was like, no, just better watch it before you shoot me. That sort of thing. And basically it's, it's her being trapped essentially like trapping herself basically in, a firefight she watches the national guard and the the army kill each other right um and she says i by i stopped and got this this footage instead of going and finding my family and my brother died while i was gone right and so she's like so this is important these stories are important because after we're gone these stories will remain. And Happy's whole thing is my organization is working to where somebody will be around to hear your stories. Right. And uh, I'm sure that she's very idealistic about it, but I feel very bad about these people. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't, I don't trust this at all. It's, it's very, so, anyway. Yeah. So they go uh, and, and, and Al gives her that tape and says, Oh, they destroy the tape that, that shows her friend as a walker. And uh, and Al gives her gives Happy the tape, the her first tape that started her on this mission, and says, "I want this tape to exist. I want this go to go with you, so that I know somebody will. It will be important to somebody." Yeah, my brother isn't dead as long as his story is yeah. still exists. Right, and you know, and I don't blame you. I understand what you're doing, you know, and. And, you know, Happy's like, turn around. Oh, my gosh. This was so great because, because like, Al, because Happy is like, I don't, I want you to know I don't want to do this. And, and Al's like, yes, I know. I understand. I understand you have to. And she's like, no, I want you to live. I want you to survive this. And then she turns her around and it's like, you're the most beautiful, you know, I never expected to find something so beautiful out here. And then they kiss and make out with their faces. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, and I was. I, for all the fact that there's this whole, you know, if you, this whole relationship in 45 minutes or whatever, you know, that just is such a TV thing. Um, it, this moment was really good. This was. Well, I felt like it worked so well, too. Like, you know, these two women have, you know, bonded in a way that is uh, unlike any of the other bonding. Like, Al has been so closed off Mm -hmm. to everyone else. And it's mainly, you know, it's she's so guarded with everyone and knowing like i think the idea that she knew she was gonna die that this was the it this was it helped her open up a little yeah yeah i think i think if i if i wanted maybe another episode of this to really build the tension to really and and take away that that like i said it's it's that tv programming thing is like the whole relationship in an hour and we're in love you know and if we had one more even just one more episode or a chunk of another episode to see more of this build because their, their chemistry between these two is so good. They have really great chemistry. And so that it makes, I think it works because of their chemistry. Well, I think that, that we're not, this is not the last we're going to see of happy. Oh, I hope not. 
I don't think or Grace. I mean, we have said the same thing about Grace from right. the other episode. Like, she is such a dynamic, interesting character. There's no way this is it, you know? Well, and Grace is supposedly coming back next episode. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I'd love to have Happy back because she's an interesting character. And, and she's an entry point, a sympathetic entry point to this organization that you and I are both, like, going, ew. Yeah. So, oh, and by the way, she tells she tells Al that her name is Isabel. Right. End of the episode after they've kissed and after after they've refueled the helicopter and and uh, and Happy has been able to call off the mm-hmm. extraction team successfully. Mm-hmm. She says, "My name, by the way, my name is Isabel." And yeah, there's uh, a scene where they walk there. They walk side by side uh, through this sort of gap in the in the trees. And then they both, without even kind of looking, without really looking at each other, they both turn and walk their separate ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you see uh, Isabel go on to refuel the helicopter and call her people and, you know, cut cut the uh, uh, the walker barrier that we saw earlier. So we see that, mm-hmm. that Isabel was the one in the background of the scene where the kids are freaking out. and. Yeah. Uh, and so she's in the helicopter that flies away. Um, so Alicia can say that stupid line. Um, what is that? Yeah. That's a helicopter, Alicia. They fly in the sky with magic. Um, but, <laughs> and then Al ends up reconnecting with uh, everyone else. Um, right. And I just love this part too because she like gets to them and she's so happy to see them and there's so much joy in her face mm-hmm. and she like she, she tells them like you know she tells them her last name mm-hmm. and like she's just like so it's crazy like you know this is a whole new picture of Al we're seeing and it was just like. Yeah. It was this episode, and I, I unfortunately, because I've been conditioned by this show and by the, the flagship show, when she was standing there so happy, telling them all of, like, my name is impronounceable to human tongues, and, and you know, I just want you to know that I've, I like you guys, and I'm glad we're friends. I was expecting a parachute walker to just, like, you know, come down and talk. Oh yeah, right? no. It was. It, this is precisely what this show has set us up for. Is just, oh no, a character is happy. A character is experiencing. Oh crap, they're dead. Yeah, yeah. So, but luckily she's not at no. this time. I have this horrible, horrible feeling that at some point they're gonna we're gonna we're get reunited between a, re, a reunion between Al and and Isabel, and one of them will die terribly. Because that's the Walking Dead way. Well, and that's also the way that lesbians have been have been working in television for you know oh, of course. twenty yeah. years. They don't get to li- like you know a lesbian. One of them has to die to you know, or both of them, or whatever. It's hopefully everyone working on the show is aware enough of the trope, the barrier gay trope. Well, uh, they've been guilty of it. Many times. Many times. And certainly the most recent one, um, which was, in all fairness, the actor wanted out. But Jesus on... on Well, Tara. Tara died on... Tara died, too. Well, and and not only Tara, but what was her name from the the blonde blonde doctor? Yeah. Who got the uh, arrow in the eye. Right. Um, So, I mean, The Walking Dead has... But, yeah, you know, it's a a long-running... 
it's a long running TV issue um, that you would hope. I mean, and yes, it's completely fair with a show like The Walking Dead to mm-hmm. kill off cast members. Fear the Walking right. Dead. Walking Dead. It, it, you you have to have a sense of threat, which is what you and I really just you know one of the issues we had with this show was that there was never a sense that this core group of people, Madison's team, yeah. Madison's family, were ever really in danger. Which, that definitely is not the case any longer. Right. You know, every time Alicia, like, makes that big-eyed, worried face, I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Alicia, Alicia, hold my hand, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, but still, it's that whole thing where, you know, Oh, look, we've given one of these characters a tidy glimpse of happiness. Oh, never mind. Oops. <laughs> I just thought it was going to be okay. It's never going to be okay ever, ever, ever. The walking that just grinds that hope underneath its heel. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but still, no, it was a good episode. I, I actually liked it quite a, bit, quite a bit. I mean, like I said, the aside from, you know, the fact that the, the cliff thing was such a like oh let's do the obvious thing and you know of course they're going to fall in love and well well, okay let me let's just say that we don't it's not so much a question of them falling in love those words were never spoken yeah having a connection they have a connection and it was a physical one because you know it's it's an attraction and of course we you know that happens all the time so to some degree it it's that we're we're so programmed we're so programmed with like the TV romantic thing. Yeah. We're, you know, here we are talking about it. And, and, you know, but there's never this, I love you. It's more like you're beautiful and I don't want to kill you because I like you and, and you're, you know, and, and I'm attracted to you. And they don't, they don't even say those words. They just say, right. you know, Isabel says she's beautiful. And so it, it plays, it plays in a way that, like I said, I just want, I want, wanted more of it. Yeah, me too. So I'm ready for more. Yeah. Well, unfortunately my time alone has, has, has ended and I'm going to have to go like super right now. Okay. Right. I know. Hang on one second. Um, I'll be down in just a minute. Um, so let's do the outro right now, fastly. Right. So you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'd love it if you were to tell people about the show and share it and all that sort of fun stuff. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, podcast.com, iTunes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Follow uh, the, at the Night Doe and Gusto and at the Tim Harvey and at Zompocalypse No. Yes, all those things. Thank you, folks, for listening. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. And we'll see you guys next week with more Zompocalypse Now. Yay! Zompocalypse Now is produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey for Just Some Guy Production. All rights reserved.